Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Things don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Well, well, well. Great to have you along. Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Frankly, it's hard to know where to start. Jonathan Wilson will help us at half past seven. Pat Nevin will join the party on the football show after nine with his thoughts. We have Monday Night Rugby, Tom English from BBC Scotland on why the Scots have improved of late and also the very real Scottish sense that Irish punditry smacks of incredible arrogance when it comes to talking about Scottish rugby. Allianz Football League threw up some uh, great games and talking points. Colin Boyle, four-time All-Star with Mayo, joins us after 8 o'clock. 53106 is the text number. You will get us at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormick, as ever, evening. Joe, how are you? Very well, and then fresh from Napoli. Yeah. Mr. Arthur O'Dea, welcome back. Thanks very much, Joe. What is the Italian equivalent of a, an Anglophile? You are, you are that when it comes to Italy. I suppose Italophile is that all right? And you are that? Uh, well, yeah. No, I mean, I like going there. Um, that's about the length of my home. I'm embracing it, though. Well, now you're back here in Dublin. Back Would you it. recommend as a, as a brief aside Naples for the general Absolutely top class. Not just Italophiles? I cannot imagine what it's going to be like when they presumably win the league. Like they're, It seems like a matter more of when than if. Mm-hmm. I'd say that place is going to explode. Yeah. Because you would like, you kind of, think beforehand that there's going to be a lot of Maradona related stuff there double it yeah. <laughs> he's everywhere okay. all the time everywhere you walk around the corner big huge wall huge mur- huge mural that will be you know you think the centrepiece of a thing but there's there, loads of them it just keeps he's everywhere his representation is everywhere way more than even sort of religious representation it's him yes which is incredible so I'll bet things are so grim for Manchester United today that they have moved to tell BBC Sport that their captain, Bruno Fernandes, did not request to be substituted towards the end of the game. He was, they say, just looking for a clarification on his positioning <laughs> after Anthony Alanga replaced Marcus Rashford. I'm sure Bruno Fernandes was really worried about his positioning at 7-0. That's worse. <laughs> That's Please. Uh, that was one of the great downing of tools on Bruno Fernandes' uh, part. This is obviously a lot about Liverpool, but then when it gets to 7-0, this is also a lot about Manchester United. Uh, he very much down tools, most notably when he was beaten at one stage and just in the most yeah. dramatic fashion said, I'm not taking another step. He seemed to push his too strong a word, but certainly put his hands on the linesman. And all in all, it was a shocking performance. I mean, his body language is not good, even at the best of times. He's a, mo- his, he's a, he's, he's a moaner. That's what I was going to say. His body language is appalling, even when they're winning. And I've seen a fair bit of them over the last few weeks. I've, I've commentated on Manchester United games there on Sundays. I was watching the two legs of the, the Barcelona um, tie in the Europa League. Like, he is an appalling presence on the football pitch in terms of his body language and his attitude. And you would think that yesterday will be a line in the sand moment for Eric Ten Hag because he's kind of shown, I guess, over the last nine months or more that he doesn't really have time for massive egos and uh, the kinds of presences that would be malignant to a dressing room and you would think that the way Bruno Fernandes has been carrying on in victory and defeat hasn't gone unnoticed by his manager and like literally unless your name is Mbappe or Haaland there's always a better player and I don't know why anybody would be adverse to to ditching him at the end of the season getting as much money as you possibly can for him and getting in somebody who's more amenable to a team structure because 
God, he's a poisonous player. An absolute poisonous player on the pitch. Certainly his captaincy is probably untenable. Yeah, I suppose, but like, uh, what, what is it effectively? It's a co-captaincy, isn't it? With, or what is the situation? Is he on field when Maguire's off? Like, they lifted together. I don't think, I think he's a lot harder to get a read on than that. I don't think that he's poisonous and should be dumped out. There's, it just, the few bits I've seen him, he did an interview with Adam Craft in the Athletic before. He seems a good sort <laughs> off the pitch. He came across very well in the post-match interview. It was almost like he had somehow forgotten his behaviour on the pitch. Like, really thoughtful and considerate and I think a good, I suspect a good professional, who knows. But it is, it's completely then at odds with what he does and yesterday was just bizarre. Mm. And he always is kind of sort of raggy getting angry with everyone else and I, I, so I don't know but I don't know if it'll be a case where they'll just dump him out or look to get rid of him It kind of got lost in the Sky uh, panel <laughs> afterwards there was a lot going on uh, but soon as one of his big complaints and he, he made the point to Keane and then the conversation went elsewhere but he was saying one of the things about Bruno Fernandes that really irritates him is that say you're in possession Bruno will be 10-15 yards away from you but like telling you with his arms pointing which way to run who to give it to directing traffic yeah. and I would think if you're Sunus there could be no more annoying thing in the world than playing with somebody who would do that to him and it, the conversation didn't go anywhere because it, there was enough going on but uh, he does that too and that's even when things are going well so, I, I do partly assume as well because he made such a lightning start do you remember like when he came in oh, yeah. he was the only positive thing had that ridiculously positive start I do suspect he sees himself as somewhat central to everything that's going on now talent wise ability wise whatever else that not, might not be the case but I do suspect he feels a significant burden that's not to say he's handled it well at all but I do suspect it impacts him personally quite a lot mm. and I don't know like what does 7-0 then do to you like I, it just kind of I, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's just for him and maybe not them it's just a scrambling complete scrambling experience yeah like, a few of them were scrambled at one stage Luke Shaw just said well screw this I'm just going to bash into Nunes and then I'm going to walk into his back rather than try and play football because what do you do like it's, at 7-0 like, well apparently Bruno Fernandes goes over to the touchline to just clarify his positioning <laughs> <laughs> aka Where can I be, be positioned on the bench please I'd say he got some amount of abuse walking over there uh, Richie for Liverpool it's an amazing day I mean yeah Sunes was ridiculed a touch pre-game now even he couldn't have seen this coming obviously mm. but to be fair his logic that against Everton if you look at the quality of goals against Everton and just that general performance there were more than just flashes in that game Newcastle win away from home had again flashes uh, the first half against Real Madrid was a pretty concerted 45 minutes the two goals conceded and uh, notwithstanding you, you, you mix all that together plus the fact it's Manchester United coming to Anfield Certainly it wasn't beyond the bounds that Liverpool would do enough to cause trouble. But then, I mean, it just went to a whole other level. I, Cody Gakbo has announced himself. He has. Uh, he took his goals well. Uh, Darwin Nunez took his goals well. They've gone five games, I think it is, in the Premier League without conceding, which is now back to where they prefer to be in terms of their uh, defensive abilities. Virgil van Dijk coming back in, I don't think has been... Um, uh, coincidental to that uh, the fact that they're back to full force in terms of injuries uh, hasn't been uh, gone unnoticed either like it was just a very good performance there were bits and pieces if you cobble together a lot of their recent performances that you mentioned there the Wolves game I think is probably the one that's most complete 
Um, the Palace one is a weird outlier because it was just scrappy and they wanted to keep in that one. Uh, but the Newcastle game, certainly, they got back on their feet after the wobble of, of Madrid and looked very good yesterday. Like, there's a lot of that quick interplay in yeah. the final third that I don't think we'd seen since they were at their absolute zenith as a team. And that's something that they tore teams apart doing. Uh, over the past five years like they really did and that was there in bucketfuls yesterday their midfield actually looked imposing for the first time in in a long time uh performed well as a unit uh, i thought harvey elliott was really good fabinho i don't know if he's gotten the kick up the arse that he he probably needed over the past few weeks because we spoke here in this slot a couple of weeks ago about he was circling down the drain and looked to be a finished uh busted flush at Anfield and was immense again yesterday. I don't know what's happened. Maybe it is a thing that they've gotten everybody back fit. Um, but they did. They, they managed to click everything together in a way that I haven't seen them do since probably the end of, towards the end of last season when they were heading for, uh, trying to vie for the Premier League title and trying to vie for the Champions League. Like They really were on fire. And you couple that with a team who are, who get fried. Like, and I'd really love to know the deep psychological analysis of not just, it's not a Man United thing, but it's a team in general. When you go three, four, five down yeah. and you're suddenly like, how, how is this happening? Like, and you're trying to figure it out while trying to, you know, put your you know, finger in the dam again and try and stop more coming. Like it's, it's a really weird position mentally to be in, but they managed to, to completely fritz whatever Manchester United had going on. And yeah, first half, not brilliant. I think a nil-nil was probably a fair yeah. uh, halftime score. But from yeah. then on in, Jesus, one side. Well, they were one up, obviously, which was a um, good result for them at halftime. It was quite interesting. Klopp didn't give the old uh, fist pump routine at the cop. I think that was probably a, just a really, another. he's an emotionally intelligent, shrewd yeah. man. The optics of fist pumping we've only gone seven points behind Manchester United yeah. would have felt off. So he, he gave that gesture as if to say, no, 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 we're going to have to do more before we're at that level again, yeah. which was quite telling. Uh, loads of messages in already. Uh, between Onshi and Trekkinu in Argentina and Arthur going to Naples, is there an OTB Maradona documentary in the works? I mean, there are worse ideas. Uh, yeah. I don't think Onshi is, is in the documentary making no. a state of mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> Never understand how refs put up with Bruno's crap, but seeing it ignored that he pushed the linesman yesterday, I realised it's because they're afraid of making a big deal out of something a Manchester United player does because of the inevitable media and fan backlash. I don't know what the logic was. I don't think there's a media backlash to be afraid of. If anything, the media love kicking Manchester United of late. I think it was probably a combination of he, he put just short of enough force into it to be deemed very, very serious. And I, there's probably an allowance for the fact that I think his brain was scrambled. Now, whether that's right or wrong, whether that allowance should be made is, is different. But I think it was almost like this guy's just out of his mind. And so I think he'll blow up if we haul him over the coals for this. And they sort of, they let him off almost. And it's probably not the right thing to do. But I suspect that was almost on their mind that he wasn't thinking straight. You were talking about emotional intelligence from Klopp as well. Like it. I don't think it's beyond even officials in that situation to kind of see what's going on here. And like this is, this like it's. I think it's probably because it's kind of similar things have happened to Man United in recent years that it kind of becomes well, you're just somewhat used to it. But this is, this is like a one-off thing in in, in a player's career. And all these guys like seven nil. Yeah. And it's kind of it. You know, like it's on. You wouldn't even comprehend it. You wouldn't. It would never have been a possibility. Uh, mid-table match. City and Newcastle was a bigger game this week. Oh, stop. 
just stopped. Just Petro stopped. State Derby. Uh, lads, remind me who United were playing yesterday. Mm. Oh, disgruntled Liverpool fan. I listened to OTBAM, Talk Sport, Sky Sports News, and now your first five minutes today, and I haven't heard them mentioned. Fair play to West Ham. Great performance to beat United 7 0. Edo. Edo, what a way to ruin what should be an enjoyable day for you. Don't be sitting there a la listening to referendum debates, keeping times. <laughs> That's just not the way to enjoy this. Like bl- what I, bloody what I, Alan Quinlan came in in the rugby this morning with a can of seven up. Like that. the first four minutes of that was gloating. What, so I don't know where this is going from. And what I would say Ada, as well is if Liverpool win that game 2-3-0, then it's very much about Liverpool. I think when it goes to seven, it's also very much about Manchester United. So they're, they're and in a weird way, they're an equal part of the story. And in some ways... Invariably, the the team in crisis are a more interesting talking point. It's not that Liverpool weren't good or we're not mentioning them. Uh, lads, come on, why is nobody saying this? United had four massive games in 10 days. Barcelona win, Newcastle win, West Ham win, then Liverpool. Any other year, United would be gearing up for Liverpool for three weeks. This year, it was just another game. And it, and it wasn't for Liverpool. They treated it as a big game. Think about it. Yeah, well, ends the test. Well, 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 yeah, welcome to the, the the notion of being a big team again and having competitions to play but in I, in, I, in February, and March. But also, fair enough. I think that explanation works if they lose two nil or three nil. But seven, no, seven nil no. dis- disavows that a little bit. But I do think, when I was thinking about this as well, the last three games my United have played have all been effectively do or die. Yeah. So it's kind of you you win it or you're gone, and yeah. it's, uh, there is something to that. I there suppose is. that it's kind of. And I I think to be honest with you, from my perspective, I think it was just a perfect storm. That it was just like one team sort of on an ascendancy, one team maybe a little bit out in its legs and not prepared for what was coming at them. It was interesting before, and I don't know if you thought from the Sky stuff before, and was it Suness and Keane, and maybe Neville, whoever else, kind of both making such a high point again and again and again about my United players coming downfield. I don't know if I'd heard that being talked about as much before. They really leaned into the Anfield factor. An awful lot. I mean, kind of pay it out and how things transpired, but like, it was just interesting because that seemed like exactly what happened. Stadium can do things to you. Just do things to you. Yeah, those nights, those Sunday nights. They the, sh- they should have done the Mikel Arteta and put speakers up around Carrington <laughs> when they're training for he'll never walk alone being played. We'll be talking to Colin Boyle after eight o'clock. Loads of really good talking points from the weekend's GEA. The scourge of diving, the more general one, and then lots of really interesting games to get our teeth into. So that will be eight o'clock. Tom English with us, maybe around eight forty or so. I've recorded this chat already with Tom. The sense from Scottish rugby is that Irish rugby pundits are incredibly arrogant yeah. when it comes to Scottish rugby. Dismissive. They say, they say they accuse, his point was, Irish rugby pundits accuse Scotland of being arrogant without any evidence. Yeah. And he asked me for evidence and I didn't have any to hand. Unfair of him. Yes. Unfair of I don't know the dates and times. But it's a good uh, conversation. So that's on the way. And then, as I said, Pat Nevin will be with us after... Nine. News Rounds brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night edition is available now. Richie, we are starting with Tolka Park. Yeah, Shelburne are believed to be close to purchasing their Tolka Park home from Dublin City Council. Last month, the council's assistant CEO, Dick Shakespeare, indicated there was little appetite to redevelop the drunk conjure ground. Uh, but Neil O'Reardon reporting today that Shells are close to agreeing a deal to buy the stadium. Shells away from home tonight in the SSE or Tristy Premier Division taking on Dundalk. That's at Oriel Park. Dundalk go into the game off the back of their first win of the campaign, a 5-0 annihilation of St. Pat's on Friday night. But there's no danger of manager Stephen O'Donnell getting carried away after that one. Yeah, well, it gives our, it gives our squad belief. It gives the players belief. I've said to me, 
and us saying we're showing good quality day to day mm. gives them belief when they do when like when they do play to their potential what they can do so it's great for them to see that against another strong team and go and win the game like that so it'll give all the individuals belief and it'll give give our team the squad belief and it'll give the supporters belief but we're like like one swallow doesn't make a summer we're not we're not there yet we're still a work in progress football tonight as well rich yeah, elsewhere, apart from that, uh, those two games, Cork City looking to extend Shamrock Rovers' miserable start to the season as they meet in Tala. After their win in Tala on Friday night, Derry City remain in South Dublin for a meeting with UCD. Sligo Rovers welcome St. Pat's to the showgrounds and Bohemians are up against Drogheda United. That's a daily mount. There's also a West London derby in the Premier League tonight. Fulham can move level on points with fifth place Liverpool if they win away to Brentford and that one is at eight. Megan Cork, scenes at the Emirates when Nelson found the corner. Mental. Will we do it? <clears throat> It's going to be heartbreaking when they don't. <laughs> it really, like, it really is. Like they, they, they've done so much and they've added so much to this Premier League season, but you do get the impression that there is a massive, feral, uh, carnivorous animal closing in behind them, and that they are running for their lives at the minute, and just about they're escaping the bite, but they're going to get swallowed up in the next few weeks, I'd say, and it's going to be a little bit dispiriting when they do. It's hard to strongly disagree with that, but watching City against Newcastle in full, they were very, very average. I mean, in the end, it was a very routine win and they even scored after 15 minutes and they'd been very so-so. De Bruyne gives the ball away now in a way that I just never thought it possible for De Bruyne to give the ball away so routinely. Foden, excellent at the beating of his man and thoroughly enjoyed doing that. Jack Grealish, excellent. Haaland, they can ignore him all day long. He'll still run around in fairness to him. (laughs) Uh, but they, they just weren't very fluid and yet they won comfortably. That's the scary thing for yeah. Arsenal. The next couple of games for Arsenal are kind. So uh, I think it's Crystal Palace. They might they have Leeds at home. They have Fulham. Yeah. They could do with just nine points without having to delve but deep into Bournemouth the Bournemouth is supposed to be kind, you know what I mean? That's and true. So they, they, they need to almost win a couple of games now without having to scour yeah, the emotional depths. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe, you got your wish. The first days are back, says Polly. I know, I was thinking, I was, uh, Mick texted this as well. <laughs> Literally, you were away in Naples. Yeah. Manchester United beat Newcastle. They scored two early goals. They shut up shop. Casemiro's a god. Yeah. Muggins here comes on. And I said, perversely in a way, I do miss the Manchester United of crisis. There was a lot of fun when they'd lose there by four go. or five. And then you'd realise Roy Keane's in the studio. It's all going to kick off. And I said, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> Those days are done. They're just sure too enough. solid now. <laughs> I, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it, was, it was great to have the days of Forest back. It was crazy. It was, it was just such, because uh, I was watching it and just kind of after, you felt like, I felt like they were pretty in a pretty good place after the first half. But like, geez, yeah, they've really got a hold on this. And they're they were 1-0 down, but I thought perhaps they might have been the better team for like, the bulk of the first half. And then once that second goal went in. Yeah. And then the third was Gapko's amazing goal. Like, like that's what this is. And that was, I mean, that was a real moment where you thought, oh, there's something happening here with Liverpool. And the front three are starting to play jazz together again. You know, they, like they do have very unconventional runs at times and movements. And the pass for Gapko from Salah and then the finish. And Gapko's first goal, I know, for, like, soon as honed in on Fred, taking those few steps to the touchline, rightly so, it was, it was naive. But the brilliance of Gapko was he spotted Fred taking those steps and yeah. initiated his movement at that very moment so Fred didn't have time to recover tries to slips and gap goes in and also like the pass from Robertson so that's that's a couple of players suddenly in sync and they haven't been in sync for so long 
It was unbelievable seeing that in real time. Like when you see it, it's, I think it's rare enough, especially at that distance, when I suppose just as a viewer, you can see the whole thing. Oh my God. Oh, there is in, is in. Yeah. And it was an amazing. God, the pass from Robertson as well was incredible. It's beautiful. But you, it's so good. And, and it needs everyone to be oh, yeah, working that, at a high level. But that finish inside, that was, I think, as kind of yourself or Richard were saying earlier, like that was them. That could have been from two, three years ago. That yeah. sort of thing where he just comes in, you know, he's just, he's buried. Obviously, not to, him. To, to give the Neville, it's a freak. Yeah. There's also something in that. Like, I found myself, agree, I agree with Sunis when he was saying, United have been getting away with this a little bit. This isn't all as well. There's something still not quite right there. And Liverpool... They scored a lot of late goals this season, United. Yeah. Like, they put games to bed pretty late doors. And where well, even if you go through scorelines where it's like two and three, and the West Ham Cup game is kind of case in point, uh, that was put to bed very late. And that's been a defining feature of this run, is that they've hung in, they've maybe been the better side in the game, and then they've put it to bed late and it was uh, they Casemiro weren't, they weren't to do that, yes, Casemiro and Martinez off the bench like there's still a fragility to their squad at times against West Ham so I, I thought Sunis was, was right to make that point about United but I also like when Neville said there was a freakish quality to the second half there was I mean the Salah goal the one off the underside of the crossbar yeah the build up of that is just pinball yeah it's not even football it's just going everywhere and then Luke Shaw's clearance as well for one of the other goals was it the Firmino goal was bizarre. So, I think the expected goals. If you're, are you a fan of XG? Oh yeah. Oh god. Expect XG was a three-one win Liverpool. Yeah. Just shy of two-one, but rounded up, and it was a three-one win for Liverpool. Was the XG so seven-nil? I I think to be honest with you, like if you're looking at it, you have like so the the Liverpool's ceiling compared to Man United's ceiling still they would still be considerably better Higher. team. Yeah, I agree. But over the course of the season, obviously, they've like, and it, it, this is getting kind of inverted a little bit as if Liverpool are back. Liverpool are seven points off Man United. They're not in the top four. They're going to get knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah. They're out of the FA Cup. They're knocked out of the League Cup. They stunk the joint out against Palace. It's been a horrible day. season for them yeah. overall. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't think, but from Man United's perspective, they're probably ahead of schedule. If, if things keep going the way we think they're going to go, and, like, I think they said at the start of the thing, did Liverpool finish 30 something points ahead of Man United last year? 34. Right. So now it's seven in the reverse. Yeah. That's a preposterous turnaround. I think too much has been made of the silverware beating Newcastle, who aren't playing well. Everything's okay again. From Liverpool's perspective, from United, winning the Carabao Cup. Yeah, no, like it, it wasn't, and it's not as Richie's saying. There are a lot of leads as well. It was late in the day, but it's a two 0 win, so it looks kind of more convincing on paper. Yeah, but I do, I do think they don't like it's by virtue of the fact that, to be fair to him, like Vout Weghorst is playing up front yesterday. That's not like yeah, and that's that's also crippling them because. He has no pace, so no. they drop him into number 10. They shift Bruno Fernandes out to the left-hand side. They put Rashford up top, so there's a bit of a running thread in behind. But that is not a well-balanced situation. It's shocking. And as for Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's looking over at Rashford through the middle and he's saying... There before the grace of God. Like, Amen. <laughs> like, because it is, but it's exactly it. That's like, there's just such glaring things. Like, to be fair as well... Yeah sort of at right back where it gets so exposed in those kind of games between Dallow and Juan Basaka it's not neither of them are bad yeah. but it's kind of neither of them are exactly the answer either so it's kind of there's a lot of gaps in that team still Jonathan Wilson is going to join us half seven Pat Nevin is with us after nine o'clock Richie St. Patrick's Day it's around the corner 
It is indeed. And the Republic of Ireland manager Vera Powell has been confirmed as Grand Marshal for the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin. She'll be joined by current Ireland defender Diane Caldwell and groundbreaking former Ireland international of the 70s, Paula Gorham. Uh, Manchester United players Mihal have spent the day grovelling on social media following yesterday's humiliating 7-0 loss at Liverpool. Marcus Rashford says they can't let the defeat define their season. David De Gea says such results shouldn't happen while Luke Shaw says it was completely unacceptable. Meanwhile, Bruno Fernandes will not face any action from the FA. After that incident involving the referee's assistant, he appeared to nudge the official in the back near the touchline. The incident was spotted by the referee and his team and wasn't included in their match report. An interesting one this from rugby, Connacht winger Alex Wotton has announced his decision to retire and on his own terms at the end of this season. The 28-year-old joined Connacht from Munster, initially on loan in 2019, and Wotton says retiring is the right decision both for him and his loved ones. No more detail on that, Rich? No, no. Um, like he's been in and out of the Connacht team this year and he scored, I think it was a hat-trick against Breve in the Challenge Cup. He's been decent, but... I think he's probably deciding that there might be an opportunity for him outside of the game. Maybe he might continue on within it. Um, but I, I don't think it was signposted. There's certainly, like, if he's playing on till the end of the season, it's not a concussive issue. It's not an injury issue. He's still fit and available to, to Andy Friend and Pete Wilkins. Um, I, it's just an odd decision. And to be honest with you, when you look at the situation in Wales, it could be one that mirrors more and more uh, down the line, whereby if you're on the periphery of a team or not necessarily a guaranteed starter or not necessarily somebody who they're 100% reliant on, you probably do have it within your rights to look elsewhere outside of the game and see if there's something more stable and less physically affecting. Uh, lads, thoughts on the dubs in serial decline is my opinion, says Tony, who was at the match, travelled up to the match. Just for a play. It's... Uh... The league's the league, Joe. The league is the league. I, th- I think there is something worrying here for Dublin in that first half. Derry sat back. Yeah. And this approach against Dublin, the day this died, there was a tombstone erected on this approach, was when Tyrone did it in the All-Ireland Final of 18. Yeah. Dublin just looked at your two sweepers around the D, supposedly the Viper's Nest, and they laughed. <laughs> they could like they just were like, OK, we'll just uh, pick you off. And so Derry did this in the first half. And Dublin were on easy street. And then Derry came out and went at them in the second there is a point now where Dublin are not having an answer to that in-your-face intensity. And Paddy Andrews on the football pod had a very damning line. He was talking to Tommy and James O'Donoghue, obviously. And he said, Dublin have not evolved. The Dublin attack, there's no plan B. It has not evolved. Um, and that's a worrying state of affairs X number of years into Desi Farrell's tenure. It's, it's one of the things we'll chat to Colin Boyle about. We'll chat Tyrone Kerry as well. There was a moment where Clifford was swamped Dara O'Shea style by 45 Tyrone players (laughs) and he ended up on the ground and the ref gave a free out and one of the Tyrone players uh, Roy Keane to Haaland style leaned down and (laughs) let him have it on the ground and I thought to myself they're back they're back you may not like them but they're back (laughs) it's amazing though whatever capacity they have to just do that whatever like whatever's gone before whatever was happening last week yeah carry up at home it's interesting the point you make about Dublin sorry because I yes. don't my only question with that would be not knowing enough of the intricacies of all these things but like the brute numbers I think last year Kerry beat Dublin by a point Dublin are missing their best forward yes and Kerry have a generational talent yeah. in David Clifford I wonder are the systems or whatever else so different or is it a case of just like fine margins and amazing players you I don't well know be right. like, you could be well, well like, be right it, I, I, yeah who knows I don't know but I don't 
I do suspect like and listening to Tommy listening to Paddy on the pod as well like um, they still have a bit to go in terms of getting like McCaffrey and Mannion back up to speed and all of a sudden then it's like yeah they have extra gears there's no doubt uh, yeah Colin Boyle will provide he'll tell us he'll tell us after uh, 8 o'clock Rich uh, sorry I've gone to touch over do you want to give us last story or two yeah, it's been confirmed that Grant Gilchrist will miss Scotland's Triple Crown decider with Ireland. The lock has received a three-match ban following his sending off against France. Gilchrist could, however, play for Edinburgh against Connacht in the URC if he completes our old favourite tackling school. And League of Ireland director Mark Scanlon says a new cross-border women's competition will guarantee clubs more top-quality games. All 11 women's Premier Division teams will compete with five from Northern Ireland. Uh, in the football league they're split into four groups of four the competition is going to get underway on June 18th and a final is going to be slated for July 16th very good fellas we're out of time Richie thanks Emil nice lads Arthur O'Dea thank you cheers Joe Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week put my hands up now I'm, I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it apology accepted and I was like there's no fear here no teams don't fear Dublin anymore subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts